Hello and welcome to Stony Creek Radio, the sermon podcast from Stony Creek Baptist Church in London, Ontario. We're so glad you've tuned in today. Our prayer as you listen is that you'll be encouraged and built up in your walk with Jesus as we study God's Word together. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump right in. Well, this morning, uh, we are going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. And so since uh, we're just doing one Sunday, I could pick whatever passage I wanted. Uh, So this is the passage that I picked. Uh, One of the reasons is because Romans 8.23 is one of my favorite verses. So I thought, well, then I'll do the verses around that that one. Uh, Also, Romans 8 is probably or is my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. I'm probably not alone there. I'm assuming there are others as well that I have uh, read and enjoyed and, and so appreciative of Romans 8. There's just so many wonderful truths found in there and just the flow of the whole chapter. uh, It just amazes me every time that I read it and just certainly thankful for all that it says and that we can wrestle with as God's children. Uh, It tells us in that passage things like uh, we are adopted as God's children, uh, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, It tells us that we are sons of God, that we're heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, that we are heirs uh, with glory and all of these truths that we can be thankful for. But I don't know about you, but when you think of some of those things, especially thinking of heirs of glory and, uh, and the hope of the new heaven and new earth, some of those things can feel far, far away. Or because of what we are going through in our lives here, uh, it can feel like there's a great distance between these truths and where we are at. And the passage that we are looking at today in Romans 8 is going to tell us that, yes, in fact, this glory to come is a long way from this present world. Because in this present world, there is affliction and sorrow, and as Romans use, uses the word suffering. And that's the reality that we find ourselves in. But the hope of this passage is, as Paul will tell us, that in the midst of hard days, to look beyond them to see the glory that is coming, the glory of the new heaven and earth. And the hope is that we one day will see the full maturity of our salvation that will happen then. And the hope is that as we suffer today, we can know that glory is coming. And so let's, let's read the, the passage. I'll, I'll read it and just to see the, the, that section. Uh, And of course, starting pretty much right in the middle of a book, understand there's much before it. Thank you very much. I I forgot all about the kids. So kids, grade one to five, uh, you guys are dismissed. Some of them started to look concerned, like, do I have to stay in here and listen to him? Uh, 
Uh, so grades one to five, you guys are dismissed. Uh, it's in the youth room, I believe, uh, this morning. So you can go and uh, have a good time there. So I've never seen them so happy to leave. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie, who uh, gave me the, the heads up there. So, and of course, if it's a first time, feel free to go and see where they're going and you know where to pick them up afterwards. So let's read uh, Romans 8, 18 to 25, and then we will think it through together. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subject, subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so if we look at the first part of that verse, of, of that section that we just read, we see that there is suffering in this present time. And just to give a plug, starting next week, uh, the preacher in Ecclesiastes uh, says this in, in, in chapter one, verses two and four. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man, man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And in fact, the word in Ecclesiastes for vanity and the word in Romans futility uh, are, are those words are very closely related. And so we see kind of the same idea that, that the preacher here is saying, apart from a life in God, this world is vanity. All is vanity. And so there's certainly suffering in this world. We suffer, our world suffers. As verse 20 says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Uh, and so in Genesis 3, we're not going to turn there. We see that when Adam and Eve sinned, it came into this world and had a major effect on our world and lives. Uh, and now just, just as a side note, I was thinking this through and, and I haven't come to a conclusion yet. Um, but when it says about who subjected it, uh, talking about who subjected this to creation. Uh, and so some have suggested that this means when Adam and Eve sinned, our world was subjected to the effects of sin. 
Uh, but some have suggested as well that this is God then, because of sin, is the one who caused uh, the curse. So talking about it's hard to work now and the pains and childbirth that talks about in Genesis 3. And so I don't have a solid conclusion personally on exactly when it says about who subjected it, but maybe kind of think of both sides, that because of sin coming into this world, God, who is the Lord of creation, allowing or caused this, that earth has been majorly affected, our world majorly affected because of sin. And because of it, there's death and suffering. And you don't have to read the news for very long to see this, right? Uh, Constantly reading about death and sickness, right? Even when COVID ends, cancer will continue, Uh, There's fires that destroy and hurricanes and earthquakes and devastation upon devastation. And we don't have to read the news to be convinced that there is suffering in this world and in our lives. We see that in our lives, in our family lives. So we don't need to be convinced. And so we know suffering in this life is unavoidable. Uh, If you even just look at verse 17, uh, it says, just, just before our passage, which is a huge topic, but just to make a quick note of, it says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so understand that on the pathway to being glorified, the hope that we have for eternity on that pathway is suffering and we can see that in this world. Now, no doubt, I do want to make a quick comment no doubt there is beauty and goodness in our world. And it allows us to catch a glimpse of the beauty of the new heaven and new earth. Uh, For example, this is some of the things that I think are beautiful and good, and they they have to be yours as well. uh, Because what I think is beautiful, you have to think is beautiful too. Like I think of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack is just so good, beautiful. And uh, it's just when I want to like just, whether it's working out or just doing whatever, it's just so beautiful how it's been composed and amazing. Uh, The other thing, I just finished a book recently called The Dutch House. And at the end of the book, I almost started crying because of just how it all ended. And I'm not a crying person, but uh, I was almost just because of the beauty of the book and how this family kind of came together at the end. Uh, Just beautiful. And when I think of good things and beauty in this world, I think of birding uh, down in the ravine on a, on a summer, or excuse me, on a spring morning. If you don't bird in the spring, you need to start. You're missing out. Uh, or flooding the rink on a cold winter morning and seeing the sun rise uh, is just beautiful. Uh, I think of my wife and my kids, uh, family and friendship and relationships Uh, I think of Mel and I's, our week-long honeymoon up in the Tennessee mountains that we still have plans to take a week again for our 10-year anniversary uh, to do something like that again. Uh, This is our 16th year of marriage, though, so it's, it's still being planned. So hopefully one day it'll happen. But I think of all of these beautiful things, and, and, and so I want to understand that. 
But even when we understand the good things and the beautiful things in this life, they come to an end. Uh, My favorite book, The Hobbit, a great book I go back to often, but the author, Tolkien, has died. And so even he who created something great in this book and everything, in the end, death still came to him, that there is a limit to the beauty and the goodness of this world And so when we think of suffering, much to think about, just this one thing to take note of from 17 to 18 is that suffering shouldn't surprise us. We should expect it, that it's going to happen. And in fact, the Bible tells us that suffering is a way that we identify with Christ because he suffered for us. The other thing I want to take note of as you read verse 18 there that Paul here is not belittling suffering, right? The point here, he's not saying, oh, your suffering is not a big deal. Get over it. Just put a smile on your face, right? It's not, it's not worth comparing uh, because what you're going through is not a big deal. That is not the point at all that Paul is making here in this comparison. In fact, suffering can be huge and unbearable at times, But what the point that Paul is making here that no matter how great your suffering is, which it is, and it can be great, the point is compared to eternal glory, this suffering doesn't compare. Paul here is speaking to the greatness of glory, eternal glory, not speaking to how small the suffering is. And so when we think of this world and the suffering that happens, and as Paul says here, uh, there's two groanings that we see in our passage. Uh, If we went to verse 26, there'd actually be three groanings because God groans in verse 26, but we're not adding that. It would be another sermon. You could look at those three different ones, but I just want to look at the two that is in our passage. The first one is that creation itself is groaning. And when it talks about this groaning, this, this, uh, uh, this deep expectation, it talks about that it's groaning in the pains of childbirth. Uh, understand here that this groaning is not like death pangs. It is birth pangs. And I have been present at four births, uh, just kind of there in the room. And, and I have to say, I am very impressed with the strength of my wife as she gave birth to our children. But I want us to catch this glimpse of what creation is doing here. It is groaning and birth pangs. It is waiting for the day to be born again. This is what it is waiting for. Waiting for, as Revelation 21 tells us, when the new heaven and earth come, when it, the world, will be set freed from the effects of sin, as verse 21 talks about. It is waiting for this day. And I think as well, as I don't know about you, do you think much about what the new heaven and earth will look like? I think it's a good topic in your small group or family just to kind of imagine and think and talk about. I think that's a good way for us to be waiting for it, anticipating it. 
And so when I think of the new heaven and a new earth, I think it'll be like our world today, but perfect. That it won't be new in the sense of completely different, but new in the idea of being renewed, restored, the way God originally created the Garden of Eden that it will be similar but much better beyond comprehension because sin will no longer have its effects here, which is hard to even contemplate that. It's interesting as well, right? As you read this, something it just always stands out to me. As Paul talks about creation, he, he talks about it as a person, right? He like brings it down to like, like creation itself as a person here. Although we know it's not making its own choices, right? God is in control. God has created this world, but it talks about it as a person. And this world is anticipating the day when it can be free from the, infect, from the effects of sin, holding it back from all that it was meant to be, that God meant it to be, when it can always be productive and beautiful without the devastating effects of sin and death, which will be the new heaven and earth. Now, when will this happen? What is it waiting for? What is creation groaning for? What is the sign to it to know that this day is happening? If you look at verse 19, it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, just as a a question, or just to kind of think through, if you looked at verses 12 to 16, the passage right before, we're not going to read it, but just to look at there, it tells us that we are already children of God. It tells us that we are sons of God and heirs of God and all of these things. So if it is true already, what is creation still waiting for? And this brings us to my favorite verse Uh, one of my favorites in verse 23. It says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly, there's the second groan, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You see, it is waiting for God to complete his salvation in our lives. You see, today in Christ, we are redeemed But one day we will have the full redemption of our bodies. And why I like this verse so much in verse 23 is because we can know that Jesus has saved us. Jesus has adopted us. But now in the midst of that, there is times of suffering and difficulty. But in this suffering, we look forward to the day when the adoption and redemption is complete and we are with him for eternity. You see, this verse wrestles with the already but not yet of salvation. That today, he tells us that we are the first fruits of the Spirit. And the idea of first fruits, it can be used like a birth certificate. Uh, that The idea that, okay, we're here on this earth, or let's say you're in the United States and you're walking around that country whenever that can happen again, normal but you're not a part of the U.S. You show your birth certificate and you say, no, my home is Canada. And that's the idea of the spirit of God in us today, that yes, we're living on this earth, but our home, our eternal home is the new heaven and the new 
earth. And so having the spirit in us is the guarantee that we will one day live there for eternity. And we live with this hope and we groan for the day when we no longer have to hope because we will see, our hope will be seen. And on this day, it talks about this redemption of our bodies, that we will have new physical bodies to live in this new physical heaven and earth for eternity. And I don't know about you, but are you looking forward to that day for all sorts of reasons? I know in my very small way, uh, this past week, I was thinking about this and on Friday, I had an appointment at the Fowler Clinic. Uh, If any of you have played sports with me, you know I have problems with my hip because I complain about it a lot. And I, uh, I, I always give it as a reason why I would have scored there, but oh, my hip hurts, so I wasn't able to. And so I went there hoping that they could do some sort of like minor surgery and clean things up in there to give me some pain so I could be pain free and I could, you know, tie my shoes and all that. I could move around. But they said the damage is too great. They can't just do that. So he said, I'm going to refer you back to the hospital because you need a whole new hip joint. And so I was like, huh. That's pretty neat. So uh, that's the plan now. So they're going to inject some fluid in there. And I don't know why, but they'll just do that. And hopefully that does something in the meantime. And so I started thinking, I was like, oh man, I cannot wait until the effects of sin and death and our bodies breaking down are no more. And we have new resurrected bodies to enjoy in this new heaven and earth. And it's not just, you know, physical bodies. We also think of uh, new minds and new emotion and, and a renewed heart and no sin and all of the effects that sin have on our lives will be gone. It will be made new. And when I think about what, again, I don't, I, some of you think through these things, uh, you know, when I think about what will our resurrected bodies be like? What will life be like? In this. And I think a good just to contemplate is uh, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, when he came back and he had his new resurrected body. I think of how Jesus, in his new resurrected body, he ate, he would, he, he would drink, he had holes in his hand. Uh, he, he also somehow, uh, he would appear to the apostles. Sometimes they recognized him, sometimes they don't. And so there's certainly questions that I have in thinking through what will our resurrected body be like? And there's certainly much to discuss, and I encourage you to do that. But again, I think, and it seems more the idea with Jesus' resurrected body, and I think it's a good to think through ourselves what it'll be like, that it's similar but different that our, the idea of our bodies will be made new, renewed, not new in the sense of being completely different. Uh, one cool thought, I was listening to Alistair Begg this week. Uh, I guess on Friday, I was listening to him and just thinking through this passage. And he, he brought out a, an interesting thought and in thinking about uh, living within, with our new resurrected bodies as we see in Jesus If you think of Jesus before the resurrection, if you remember when Peter came to him and said, hey, 
this is my own words, just so you know. He says, hey, even if all these other guys, if they fall away, I'm not going to. Isn't that kind of a funny just to think through that? Like imagine someone stepped in front of you and just be like, hey, you know, this guy falls away. They all fall away. I'm not going to. And Jesus, of course, says to him at that time, but Peter, before midnight, you will deny me three times. And of course, that's what happens. Peter then denies Jesus three times before his death. Now, if you remember after Jesus dies, rises from the dead, new resurrected body, Do you remember when Jesus comes to Peter on the beach and he says to him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. Eventually at the end, yes, Lord, I love you. And what Alistair begged you from this, and I I agree and I like this idea, is that relationships matter from this world going into the new heaven and earth that we see the relationship between Peter continue afterwards, that the relationships today matter for eternity. And even just thinking through that blessings from this life matter and will continue into the new earth even better and thinking things that should have gone well here but didn't because of the effects of sin in all way will go really well there. That's not a good enough way to put it but in a perfect way. But I like that idea, that one idea of relationships will matter, will continue. We're not going to be new in the sense of everyone getting up in there and like, who am I? Who are all these people? What's going on here? That from the example of Jesus, we see these relationships matter and will continue. And when I think of the new heaven and the new earth and living in it with our new bodies in this new renewed place, that it will be there, there will be work that is always productive. Have you ever had a productive like 10 minutes and how good that feels? Like when work just goes well and it's bang, bang, bang. Like Alden, when you're, you just have like three, sorry, I'm pointing you Alden, you love that, yeah. You have like three customers in a row that just goes well. They, they don't throw things at you and they treat you nice and everything goes well and it just feels good. But imagine just work always being productive because the effects of sin and devastation and all that come in this world will not be present. I think in the new heaven and new earth, there will be fun. There'll be playing, right? Don't you, I know my, I love playing with my kids, whether it's wrestling or whatever we do or playing here in the gym, going tobogganing, all of those things. There'll be adventuring and exploring. There will be laughing and singing and dancing. I know, I know Baptists, that's hard to hear, but... (laughs) In our home, we like to do, it's called Just Dance. Uh, and we love doing that for exercise. And, and it's, but the thing is, my daughter always beats me at it. Every song, she beats me. So I have plans, Just Dance, Eternity version. I'm going to beat her one day. They're going to be family, friends. The things we can enjoy now, eating and drinking and serving, relationships around a table, but without sin and the effects of it will be gone. Hope will be gone because we will see him, that we will live with Jesus and worship him and all of these things for eternity. 
and you see creation is groaning for this day, we are groaning and waiting for this day. Maybe sometimes we don't groan or we don't expect this day as much as we could or should. Uh, Randy Alcorn has a book called Heaven, and, and I have very much enjoyed it because he says often, or sometimes, I should say, I don't know often, that we have a view of the heaven of eternity that's very kind of boring, sitting on a cloud or sitting in a pew for all of eternity, just kind of sitting there. But he just really opened my eyes to how the Bible teaches in the greatness and the heaviness and and the beauty of what eternity will be like. Uh, And then uh, I came across a quote uh, by C.S. Lewis, and he uh, writes in the book called The Weight of Glory and Other Addresses. I was going to read the whole thing, but it was like almost a full page. And so I was reading it to Mel, and I got the impression from her it was too long to read. And so I'm not going to. But what I really like about this paragraph that he wrote uh, is just the the glimpses that he was thinking of as what, what it will be like to be glorified for eternity. And I want to just pull out one sentence from it, from a much bigger portion. But he says, in, in thinking through our new resurrected bodies in the new heaven and earth, he says, to be united with the beauty we see to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. And in this quote, he talks about how today we read or we see beauty and goodness, but one day in the new heaven and earth, we will not just see it, but we will be completely a part of it. It'll be not just around us that we see, we'll be completely, perfectly a part of it. Now, how do we wait? The hope in this passage is that even in the midst of suffering, know, brothers and sisters, that suffering will not last. Expect it to come. It will happen. There will be grief and sorrow and trial and temptation, but no, it will not last for eternity. That glory is coming and the glory that is coming is the suffering that we experience is not worth comparing because of the greatness of the glory to come. And we are called in verse 23 to to hope This hope is a sure thing that this will happen at committal services around the graveside. I read these words given, uh, Pastor Howard gave them to me and I now use them. And, And I say this, and as much as our bodies are made from the physical elements of the ground, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, we commit Uh, this person's body to rest in the ground until the day of resurrection, that this is our hope as, as God's children. And as we live in this world, we wait. Verse 23 says to wait with eagerness. And if you look at verse 25, it says we are to wait with patience. And so I trust that you see the, the balance of these two things that we wait for this day with a a patiently eager and eagerly patient for this great day to come.
And so we can do this together as God's people. And I trust that as we gather as the church week after week, we're able to encourage and give hope to one another in what God's word gives us hope to. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word and uh, thank you for the hope of salvation, the hope that we have that one day we will live for eternity with our savior, Jesus the hope that we will one day receive new bodies and living in this new heaven and earth. Lord, I pray that we would be able to live in light of this, that even as we go through sufferings and difficulties today that can be very difficult and are difficult, that you, Lord, would give us the strength to look beyond them, to know that our suffering will not go on forever. Lord, as well, I pray this morning for those here who do not know Christ, that they would trust in him, in his death, in his resurrection, and find life, eternal life in you. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been encouraged by our time today in God's Word, we'd love for you to connect with us on social media and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at SCBC London. Until next time, I'm your host, Ryan, and this has been Stony Creek Radio. God bless.